So a couple weeks ago, Ellen had her hours cut in half at the theater. Thanks to the generosity of all of you, we're, we're going to be okay. I'm, that's not the point of all this. But what is the point is that she began to have to engage the DC unemployment system. Yeah. So she had some issues because she used to be a contractor, even though now she's an employee, but all that's supposed to be ironed out with the way the bill has been passed through Congress. And according to DC, she just needs to keep filing and filing and eventually it's going to come through. But the problem is we don't know when that's going to happen. She even waited on the phone for three and a half hours the other day obviously doing a lot of other things. But a lot of the problem is with the electronics, the electronic system. But it turns out we are not alone in having problems with this system. Uh, this is my brother-in-law's sister, who lives in Manhattan, who is uh, featured uh, on this article in the New York Times. One of the many millions who have filed for unemployment last month and haven't yet seen a dime. You notice that first word there, it says crashing websites. There's a lot more there, but crashing websites are one of the issues. And it seems to be, according to some, that part of the reason that we have so many crashing websites is because of a lack of urgency decades ago with our computer infrastructure. So if we go to uh, this article, I read here on The Verge that unemployment checks are being held up in, but for so many millions because of a coding language that almost nobody knows. Turns out that many of these systems upon which unemployment uh, servers and whatnot are built on are part of a computer programming language called COBOL. COBOL is a computer language that was developed between the years of 1959 and 1970. This is literally over a decade before the personal computer was in anybody's hands. This was built for the mainframes that took up whole rooms and convention centers. Now, while these past few decades of other computer languages have developed that would have exponentially increased the reliability and efficacy of these systems, governments have put these upgrades and the overhauls on hold because the sense of urgency was pretty low until now when those systems that are so critical for the most vulnerable among us to get their dire aid, they're just crawling along on computer languages that were designed years before the earliest personal computers landed in American households. My friends, if we treat climate change with the same sense of urgency that we've treated government computer infrastructure, we're in serious trouble. There's no bailout for the ozone. Unlike in New York State where Google and Verizon are teaming up to help undergird and rewrite all those systems, there is no private sector earth, which we can beg to help us build tools to catch up. We're one and done. But doing hard things and making hard choices has been difficult since at least the time of Moses. So in our scripture today, Moses is living his best life. He's way out in rural Egypt. He's doing a little bit of shepherding for this father-in-law, but he seems like he's a good guy. He's under the thumb of no one while his people continue to live in slavery in Egypt. But that's not in his backyard, not in his neighborhood. 
not a problem he feels like he has to deal with. Remember, he did his time in Pharaoh's house. He even killed one of the Egyptians who was mistreating one of his Israelites. He's done his service, right? He had no sense of urgency for any kind of action. And then, and then comes that burning bush. God says, in the midst of all that in-between time, that sort of settled time that Moses was living in, God sends a messenger that says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people living in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. Now Moses hems and haws. It's like, ah, they're not going to believe me. And what God should I say is sending me? But if a burning bush was good enough for Moses to pick up that fierce sense of urgency, perhaps in our stubbornness today, we must read the signs of a whole burning planet in order to get us up out of our seats. Amen, friends? Remember when Australia being on fire brought that sense of urgency? And now we've almost forgotten about all of that because of where we are today? The good news, friends, is that one of the pieces of this world that are so mysterious, social media, is actually bringing us back to the present moment. Now, writing in the 1950s, Marshall McLuhan said that when we juxtapose news items from Tokyo, London, New York, Chile, Africa, and New Zealand, talking about those sort of worldwide media that was developing at that time, said we're not just manipulating space. The events so brought together belong to cultures widely separated in time. The modern world abridges all historical times as readily as it reduces space. Everywhere and every age have become here and now. History has been abolished by our new media. Now, McLuhan was a little ambitious in that phrase, but we've learned from social media, for many of us who have had loved ones die, that the tenses get mixed up. Remember one of the congregants of a church I interned in Tuckerton, New Jersey? The beloved man, really loved by the congregation, and remember when he died, what happened to his Facebook page? Nothing. Obviously, this gentleman wasn't posting anything anymore. But otherwise, the, the support and the tributes, the words of affirmation and the love continued to pour in for this man, even though he had died. So there's something about this present world that we live in in which the tenses are all mixed up. Past tense, future tense, present tense are all intertwining in a moment. And we think that's really new, but the New Testament and Koine Greek was way ahead of us. See, writing in the first gospel, the gospel according to Mark, there are two different words used for time. The first is the one that most of us understand in English, chronos, chronological, chronology, a sort of discrete measurements of time 